0: For the Canadian Society of Physician Leaders, I'm Pat Rich, and this is Leading the Way, the podcast for and about physician leaders. On today's show, your host, Dr. Victor Jew has a conversation with Dr. Melanie Lewis. Since 2021, Melanie has been Chief Wellness Officer for the University of Alberta Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry, the first person to hold such a role at a Canadian medical faculty. Over to you, Victor. Thanks, Pat. I'm so excited today to be joined by my mentor and dear friend, Dr. Melanie Lewis. Mel, thanks so much for taking time to join us. Do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do and what you've been up to?
1: Sure. Well, thanks for that nice introduction, Victor. Currently, I'm the Chief Wellness Officer at the University of Alberta and the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry. As far as I know, I'm the first Chief Wellness Officer to be named in Canada, so that's very exciting. It's a role that's quite ubiquitous in the United States, but is slowly gaining momentum in Canada. Prior to that, I spent about 10 years in the learner advocacy sphere, uh, supporting undergraduate, postgraduate, and graduate students in our Office of Advocacy and Wellbeing. So, I really had a nice viewpoint on some of the pressures that that our learners are facing. And also being a clinician in pediatrics, I certainly understand the pressures on faculty.
0: You've been involved in the well-being space for over 10 years now. And I just wondered how you've seen the conversation around well-being in medicine evolve.
1: Wow, I would say in the last ten years it's evolved substantially. Certainly when I arrived in the scene, you know, over over a decade ago, most of the conversation was about personal health and concept of resilience. Uh, and slowly over time, we realize that there's only so much we can control for as learners and clinicians in medicine. And we're all smart individuals and, and we know much about health and we want to be healthy ourselves so we can support our patients. And if we could control all those things, we certainly wouldn't be in the place and state of health that medicine is currently. So the biggest change is the recognition that it's the structural and institutional pressures that are really affecting the health of those folks who, who dwell in the health sciences. Especially, I would say, the more underpowered, so our learners and our junior faculty probably feel it the most. But there's a prevailing culture that's really being interrogated right now in medicine that also is responsible for, for some of our, uh, our state of unhealth And I think the most important thing is, is that personal resilience strategies and personal health strategies, they're important, but I think they're like 10% important. We can control for making sure we're sleeping well and that we have a healthy diet and we're exercising and and looking after those pieces. That's 10% of the issue. Important, but only 10%. The the 90% of the issue is really the structural hazards and the occupational hazards in our lives that that really trip us up and, and really encumber our ability to provide high quality patient care and for us to thrive in those spaces.
0: I know you talk about the role of leaders and leadership when it comes to workplace and organizational well-being. Can you talk about how individuals in leadership can tangibly kind of contribute to building kind of that culture of well-being you referenced?
1: So I think there's many pieces to that. I know, you know, starting my, my role off as a chief wellness officer, I was really thinking Where's the impact going to be? What are the things that I can tackle that I can actually have influence on? So when you lean into the literature, you recognize that leadership behaviors directly affect the satisfaction uh, of the people that that report to them and also their risk for burnout. And this has been shown again and again in in studies, especially those led by Lottie Derby and Shana Felton and their colleagues that that have demonstrated this, this beautifully. So number one, Leadership development is huge. Our ability to give uh, ongoing formative feedback to our leaders so that they recognize maybe where some of their gaps are in some of those leadership behaviors, or maybe illuminate the things that they're doing well so that they keep doing them. And I think those pieces need to be done strategically and deliberately and, and debrief with the leaders and then to be able to provide the faculty development to support them to be the best leaders that they can possibly be. And then I think the other piece around that is is psychological safety. And psychological safety is so important for those of us you know, in healthcare, for us to be able to thrive and take risks and be able to admit our mistakes, to speak out and, and you know not fear that that ridicule or, or belittlement. And I think leaders need to recognize that they're accountable for the environments that, that they reign over to make sure that that psychological safety is there. And I think that that's been underappreciated. And I think the recognition that psychological safety is absolutely a requirement for high functioning organizations.
0: Building off of that for individuals that are getting into leadership or have been in in leadership roles and kind of are listening and saying, hey, like I really want to look at how we can improve the psychological safety in the work environment and kind of start implementing these measures. What are some, again, those early steps that We can take,
1: you know, healthcare has been so overwhelmed just with our clinical tasks over the last few years that we haven't had a lot of time to really be strategic around that piece and and to understand it well. But I think, uh, number one, we need to measure environments. We need those metrics to understand the environments that are really struggling and facing challenges so that we really know where to place our efforts. But unless we measure them and there's lots of great tools and, and validated metrics that we can use, I think that's the starting place, but as Dr. Schanefelt has said, it's it's not just checking the temperature. It's it's the beginning of a continuous quality assurance process, so that we can we can understand where where the rough points are, and so that we can strategically work on them and then measure them to make sure that we're getting where we need to be.
0: As you are kind of referencing, I mean, there's not a ton of clear guidelines in this area of what to do. It sounds like individuals like yourself and other leaders, it would be really favorable for people to really work together and take some concerted steps towards strategically collaborating and working together on what do you think?
1: I agree. I think the, the work can seem overwhelming to the point that you just don't even know where to start. But I think especially in Canada nationally, you know, we have this amazing collaborative that's come forward under the banner of the Okanagan Charter. So there's someone in each of our medical schools who's trying to lead this change movement around some of the occupational hazards that we face. And so we need to share the things that are working. We also need to share our failures and understand why they didn't work. But I think if we can understand better, like which tools are working, how do we practically get them into the hands of of these folks who are are leading change at their institutions or within their work units, or however it's laid out in in everybody's uh, very different realities. But I think there just needs to be a, a lot of sharing.
0: We work together on the AFMC, or the Association of Faculty of Medicine of Canada's Culture of Academic Medicine Initiative, which really looks at, as you said, embedding the work of the Okanagan Charter, which is an internationally recognized charter looking at creating health-promoting education settings within our kind of academic medicine institutions. So for those who haven't heard of this before, and especially um, individuals who maybe are, more of their time is in the clinical, um, workspace and less in the academic space, I just thought I'd hear your thoughts around how people can learn more about this and then ways that you know we can contribute and hopefully build this initiative.
1: Yes, I think for once in medicine, we're trying to not reinvent the wheel. So we have this amazing charter that has been around for, for quite some time now, last convened in the Okanagan in 2015. In a nutshell, the whole point of the Okanagan Charter is to imbue well-being across the academy. everything we do, in our policies, procedures, in the way that we operate, uh, the spaces that we govern, and those pieces. And I I really break it down to to four points. So it's really imbuing well-being through all of our policies and procedures, as I said. It's making sure that the individuals who dwell in these spaces have the right resources to be able to do their job. The other piece is around faculty development. It means a lot to individuals in these spaces that you know, they're given the opportunities and the time to, to be that the, the best that they can be, and, and for people who are in leadership positions to to recognize the talent and, and want to nourish that talent. And then I, I think the last piece is around that that sense of community. First and foremost, making sure that those communities are inclusive, that they are absolutely imbued with EDI principles, and that we have that opportunity to create those communities of practice that that help us thrive, people who know us well, who have our backs, uh, and those pieces.
0: These haven't really been considerations in any of medicine, although we would say they're important for our patients, really for ourselves and our learning and working settings. We've just kind of ignored that. And so I think that'll be really important for listeners and for those who have leadership roles. And even if you don't, to be able to i think think of these and say what are the steps i can do every day to kind of move the well-being conversation forward and some practical things and also bigger strategic things to do
1: i think we're really seeing this big shift in culture because i went to medical school in the 1990s and you know we were really uh, cultured into the profession that we were just supposed to suck it up and we were just supposed to do our job and really abrogate our lives to medicine and of course this culture started when there was a full-time spouse at home uh, which isn't the reality for for most people in medicine today, and yet that that culture kind of continues. That we give ourselves to medicine, and if we don't, then we're just not quite committed enough. And I, I feel that you can see the tension with the new generation coming up, who isn't okay with with some of the the aspects of medicine that have been expected for generations, and and they're pushing back a little bit and 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 pushing the status quo. And the reality is, it was some of the conditions we worked within and some of the occupational hazards we faced, including psychological safety, were, were never okay. But now we have a new generation who are are talking about it and they are pushing back and they are calling in and calling out bad behavior and conditions that are, are totally not acceptable and, and they never were.
0: Many of our listeners are very interested in the conversations around the need for like health system transformation and obviously you've witnessed firsthand i mean over the fall with our pediatric like respiratory illness issues but then in your clinic and everything as well like difficulty with primary care access you know and all that things that you've alluded to around the system is really strained people are very strained we have lots of conversations about you know future of healthcare in canada what healthcare looks like what role does this well-being piece play in that system's transformation?
1: Yeah, that's a really big question. I think for generations, we've neglected our practitioners and, and now we're paying for it. So I think, for instance, of our emergency medicine colleagues and our family medicine colleagues, they've really taken the brunt of, of some of the, the clinical pressures. And now we're seeing that family medicine is no longer attractive to many of our learners just because of the burden of administration, the burden of not being able to access the the types of interventions or the subspecialty involvement. And now we're facing this systemic pressure, as you say, because we now have a critical shortage of family physicians. In the emergency uh, departments, we are also facing critical shortages because we've neglected paying attention to some of these pressures that have led these careers to be unsustainable. You know, in the United okay. States, there's been an evolution of physician health because they recognize the business case for it. They recognize that if you have unwell physicians, they make more mistakes. There's more litigation. They're not as efficient. They leave medicine, and then they the cost of retraining are substantial. In Canada, because of our public health care system, of course, we we can't just evoke the business case. We also also has, have to evoke the ethical case. But we're still suffering because we have attrition of our colleagues who are retiring early, leaving the profession altogether because the work conditions are just untenable. So until we start paying attention to the work conditions our healthcare system will continue to deteriorate.
0: Well my last piece as we kind of wrap this up, Mel jumps a little bit off but while being a leadership conversation, you've been you've been able to through student affairs and other things influence so many learners and, and other people in early career stages and I know you talk about mentors who helped you too. So can you just comment a little bit on mentorship for individuals in, in leadership and kind of the things that you've learned in terms of supporting junior learners, and, and helping everyone kind of reach their best potential?
1: I think of mentorship and vulnerability going hand in hand. I think I grew up in a time in medicine where we were just supposed to suck it up and we might've been suffering uh, on the inside, but we still looked pretty good on the outside, you know, in, in, until we didn't. And so I, I think the things that I've learned from, from my mentors is being authentic and being honest. So saying, yes, I've been a burnt out physician for sure. Uh, I'm a physician who has made mistakes. For sure, and I continue to make them. And just being allowed to demonstrate that vulnerability, because you know, I had a conversation recently with um, one of my family medicine colleagues who's who's struggling with burnout, and they commented that they got to that point that they were reaching out for help, uh, and it was amazing, but uh, absolutely confided in their colleagues that they they weren't doing very well. And their two colleagues responded and said, we're not doing well either. They work together every day, but everybody thinks everybody looks like they're doing better than they are. So I just think that we have to open up these conversations and we have to talk honestly and we really need each other. Like this is really hard work. The healthcare system is not in a place to support us right now. So we just really, really have to support each other.
0: Now, this is such a pleasure whenever we get to meet and talk about anything. And I've learned so, so, so much from you, but I'm really looking forward to the conversation that will be spurred from the discussion we just had so thanks so much for joining me
1: right back at you i love having these conversations with you
0: back to you pat thanks victor and thank you melanie that's our show for today we hope you will continue to listen to our future podcasts please subscribe to them through your favorite podcast platform or access them via the cspl website at physicianleaders.ca until next time